The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales. Episode 50, Click. When it came time for Baba Yaga to tell her story, she described her audiences in her dacha, but her hut was constructed of playing cards with living scenes. Each card held a scene from one of the stories told so far, but a few had designs that were unrevealed. This is the last round, pigeons, Baba Yaga began. As you can see, I've brought all your stories back to haunt you or support you as the case may be. We're going to play a little game. I'm going to tell my story, and every so often I'll make you pick a card for me to carry on, to see how well you've listened and made connections. Since we haven't quite come to the end, I've thrown in a few wild cards representing the tales not yet told. These are cards with their designs hidden. If you fail to find a card that links events, characters, or themes, you will either lose something you value greatly which may lead to your being trapped in the story, or you will see one of your fellows suffer. By the end of this, you will all have worked together to get me home, or, though I have played it already, you will all be subject to the will of the Queen of Spades. You will know death, sorrow, torment, whatever I can devise. Isabel, you may have defeated your brother, but if I possess him and he comes after you, Whatever he does to you, he'll be innocent by reason of insanity. And you, Pilot, I can squeeze your real name out of your little snake princess, and then I can have you reported and deported. Or just lost. Over water. There are prison ships, or so I've been told. If I've heard wrong, there will be. And Jack, you are my real enemy because, like a true enemy... I think you are a man with little or nothing left to lose, except your friends. So I'll make you watch while I destroy them, while turning you slowly mad with the conviction that you could save them if you could just find a way. Tappity tap tap, nerd. Well, here goes. Once there was a Tsar and a Tsarina, and they had no children. Day and night they prayed for them, but to no avail. This, of course, was part of their problem, all that praying instead of actually doing the necessary, so to speak. In any case, in time the Tsarina conceived and bore a beautiful daughter. The Tsarina had ideas, and she was a student of Western art and literature. She thought the moon shone from the baby's eyes, and so they called the child Luna. Not long after, a second daughter was born to them, also lovely. The Tsar thought her brow shone like a star, and so they called her Stella. The girls grew in beauty and grace, and from the time they came of age, they had many suitors. 
but it's an ill wind that blows no good, and the neighboring kingdom was jointly ruled by the brothers' whirlwind, north and west. They were twins, and frankly as loud and uncultured as two farts. One day, they spied Luna and Stella walking together in the palace gardens, and they stormed over the wall and scooped the sisters up together, tossing them back and forth with very little ceremony and rushing away as fast as they had come. The Tsar and Serena were inconsolable, particularly as their advisers said the strange storm which carried them off rose high into the heavens and didn't come until it was far out to sea. And so we fear your daughters were lost at sea, they opined sadly, sacrificed from a great height to plummet into the churning deep. This, of course, made the poor bereaved parents feel even worse, and for several years the Tsar and Tsarina seemed like an old man and an old woman, all joy and hope gone from their lives. But I guess they gave up on heaven and stopped praying every waking moment because the Tsarina bore yet one more child, a miraculous boy named Ivan, who grew and developed as much in a day as other sons did in a year. You're up, pilot. Draw on a card to advance the story or I'll trap you within it, Babiaga said. One you've used or one you haven't. Taken aback, Lucas continued. As he came rapidly to understand the world and the people around him, the young Yvonne asked his mother why, for all the joy he knew he brought her, did her eyes always look a bit sad and far away. I miss your sisters, said Serena admitted one day when Yvonne wasn't quite a month old, which put his actual age and strength closer to twenty. What happened to them? Yvonne asked eagerly. His mother shared the sad tale of their disappearance, and Yvonne jumped up and said, I will go look for them and not rest until I find them. Lucas pointed to the nine of spades. When Baba Yaga had told part of a tale about an enchanted princess, that featured a mysterious golden boy. You too, keyboard Merlin, Baba Yaga told Jack. Choose a story, choose a card, or I might marry Isabel off to Tamlin. Jack quickly indicated the Eight of Hearts, one of his own tales where be giants, though this particular colossus was immortal because the secret of his death was hidden in an egg. For his part, Lucas didn't want to part with the spindle pendant that generated the cap of invisibility, seven-league boots, and flying carpet, but Baba Yaga's earlier tale featured a contest between demons with similar helpful objects, which is part of the reason why he chose it. Jack's story also featured a youngest son who wouldn't rest until he discovered the fate of his kidnapped sisters and Jack needed the egg motif to keep the witch thinking about eggs and boxes. A box without hinges, key, or lid, yet golden treasure inside is hid, Jack dared to let himself recall from tales about another fantastic contest. Fair enough, both of you. Babiaka conceded grudgingly when Lucas and Jack explained their choices and wove them into the story. The young Prince Ivan tricking two dueling forest spirits out of the magic cap, boots, and cloth of plenty while on a tireless search for his sisters. Out of the window of her playing card hut, Baba Yaga spied the box Moot had said she might claim. It whispered excitedly about the story as the lid and base curved for a moment. Yes, it was looking decidedly eggish. Eggly? 
like an egg now and again. And in its transient ovoid state, it rolled purposefully in their direction. Baba Yaga licked her lips and stared. The tail wasn't done, but almost, almost. Jack noticed her distraction, and the witch resumed, slightly annoyed. By and by, Prince Ivan used his magical ill-gotten gains to shorten his search. He came to a hut in the forest on chicken legs, and an old woman asked him, You, hero, are you pursuing a fate or fleeing from one? I'm looking for my sisters, Luna and Stella, daughters of the Tsar. They were abducted by the twin whirlwinds. I know this, she said, and I believe you won't ever get them back. But my sister lives in their land. Go and see her. And she gave him a spool of thread to guide him on his way and a kerchief she had embroidered with magic spells by way of an introduction. However, when the spool of thread stopped before the second hut on chicken legs, that sister sniffed her long nose at the kerchief and simply said, The whirlwinds are capricious and evil. You won't get any cooperation from them. Your sister Luna is captive in the silver castle, and Stella is in the golden one. There are twelve guards on each gate. You haven't a hope. Undaunted, Prince Ivan carried on his quest. He came to the first castle and tried reasoning with the guards to allow a family visit. They flatly refused. So he put on the cap of invisibility and sailed over the wall. He appeared suddenly before a startled Luna, greeting her as her brother. I have no brothers, she cried. Prince Ivan explained, and after she knew the truth of everything, she greeted her brother warmly. He hid again under the cap when the first whirlwind twin arrived. There's someone here. I can smell him, but he's hiding. The whirlwind looked angry enough to blow down the castle from the inside. Prince Ivan took off the cap and bowed low. He spread the cloth of plenty and invited his blustery brother-in-law to share a sumptuous meal. Such generosity put the first whirlwind into a much better mood, and Ivan was invited to stay. He declined, saying he wanted to find his sister Stella. Before he left, Luna whispered into his ear, Come back and fetch me home, but go and see the Tsar Maiden beyond Stella's castle. She is wise and powerful, an enchantress with the ability to defeat the whirlwinds. She is our only hope of not being jealously pursued to the ends of the earth for all eternity. Prince Ivan promised to follow her advice and continued his quest. By and by, he reached the Golden Palace and found his sister Stella. She too said the Tsar Maiden was their only hope of real freedom. She keeps a twelve-headed dragon who can slay the brothers, Stella explained. Choose a card, princess, Baba Yaga commanded. The king, queen, and two of spades from your version of the mm, swan children in the kingdoms of copper, silver, and gold, Isabel replied calmly. Each of the palaces is guarded by a multi-headed dragon at a fountain or well. A chudo-yudo, I think you called them. They are water guardian spirits. They can't fly, but they keep flying horses whose number of wings match their number of heads. It's too late to see if any of the witches keep stables, Isabel continued. So if I were Prince Ivan, I would borrow a horse from my sister, and when they are away again, Prince Ivan should see if he can fashion magic tackle for the horse from the seven-league boots and cap and use the cloth of plenty as a saddlecloth. 
If it can produce banquets, perhaps it can do the same with wings. Lucas glowed with pride. I'll let you have that, Baba Yaga said generously. That's not bad. She heard and then saw the box edging closer in its egg shape, becoming more box-like whenever Baba Yaga looked at it for too long. She could see scenes from stories flitting over the box like the lighted shapes on a hurricane lantern that settled into familiar colored and lacquered scenes. When she blurred her focus, it became an egg again, with a skull like Koshche's soul egg, then with a forest-like home where she and her magic could run free and wild and gather power. She liked Isabel's solution, but she still hoped to take something precious from her. But the egg. Her home was so near, she just knew it. It was inside the hut now, rolling contentedly near the warmth of the playing card stove, becoming boxy and quiescent on the hearth. So Stella gave her brother a fine horse, which he rode to the palace of the Tsar Maiden. She had been expecting him and knew of his problem before he explained. The whirlwinds had been bad neighbors for generations. I will release my twelve-headed dragon, she promised, but he'll want to build up his strength first and to be paid for this work. What can you offer him? Prince Ivan asked for a needle and took out the magic spool of thread the first old witch had given him. With his knife, he carefully cut up the seven-league boots and invisibility cap and sewed them into a bridle and reins. Then he tied the cloth of plenty around his horse, and the beast transformed into a mighty destrier with six pairs of jewel-colored wings, a golden mane and tail, and silver hooves. That will do, the Tsar Maiden smiled. When the twelve-headed Chudo Yudo saw the wonderful horse, he cried, Magical steed, horse of my need, stand before me as a leaf before grass. The horse crossed to the dragon and nuzzled several of its scaly necks. The dragon began to eat and drink and train, regaining its strength. After three months, the Chudo Yudo announced it was ready to slay the whirlwinds. It took up twelve flashing swords, mounted the wonderful horse, and disappeared across the sky like a comet. Soon it returned victorious, the heads of the brothers tied to the pommel of the horse's saddle. After the dragon proved the brothers were no more, the Chudo Yudo flung the heads into a river, not its own, but the source of the river that supplies the waters of death, that the brothers' violent demise might add to the water's potency. Prince Ivan and the Tsar Maiden made their way back to Stella's palace, then to Luna's, explaining how their captors had been vanquished. Prince Ivan bid each sister to pack quickly. In each case, the young women rolled an egg around on a gold or silver saucer, saying a spell and wrapping their entire palace, gardens, staff, and belongings into the egg, and following their valiant brother and the Tsar Maiden home. When they got to their own lands, they rolled the eggs again, and their fine palaces appeared on lands their delighted father, the Tsar, gifted them. Oh, I can't stand happy endings! Baba Yaga leaped for the egg near her hearth and dived into it. On her card, the Queen of Spades winked, smiled an iron-toothed grin, and vanished. Without prompting, the Decameron shuffled, six of hearts. 
Before anyone could breathe a sigh of relief, the card that had once held the Queen of Spades slowly toppled forward, and the transformed hut on chicken legs, in the way of all card houses, began to collapse. In the veil, the companions felt themselves falling as somewhere the universe went click and folded over itself like a closing book. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful storied place, the ancestral lands of the Sinemuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.